Mike Rags and Todd Burlage with a Blue Gold Report podcast. Fighting Irish sports from the inside out. Subscribe to the Blue Gold Report. It's not just talk, it's the Blue Gold Report. All right, it is time for another Blue Gold Report as we continue to do our every other week here. We want to welcome everybody in. It's brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. I'm Mike Rags, Todd Burlidge, my co-host in a second. Got lots to do today as tournament play starts up in basketball. Won't be a long tournament play for Notre Dame men, you wouldn't think, but we'll see what happens. It's an early tournament play for them. We know that much. Uh, And then, of course, the women will get a number one seed in the NCAAs. Uh, We'll talk about that as they try to go back-to-back with national championships. But right around the corner, of course, is spring ball, and there's a lot of football to talk about in the beginning of March. And we really won't get into it too much, uh, Todd, but good luck to the women, because as we record this, uh, they will be playing their first-round game in the ACC tournament. Uh, Let's bring them in now. The Blue Gold uh, Illustrated writer and follower of all things Notre Dame, it is Todd Burlidge. Todd, yeah, so chances are they'll win today, but you know, if you're listening to this podcast over the weekend, we just want to make sure that we're not pulling any punches here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, North Carolina today, like you said, as we speak, and then likely if the seeds hold up, uh, they will take on Miami um, on Saturday. That's a team that actually beat Notre Dame this year, so something to watch there. And then, obviously, uh, the finals over the weekend, uh, the, the the championship would be Sunday. No problemo. Uh, let's uh, let's talk about uh, the Blue Gold Nuggets, because Todd always starts every show with Blue Gold Nuggets. What do you got? Got a three-pack, as usual, rags. Let's go. Let's move forward. Let's take a peek forward to 2022. Uh, the schedule is coming together football-wise uh, as they added a one-and-done game with Marshall of Conference USA. That game is set for September 10th, uh, Notre, which would be the second game of the season because Notre Dame actually opens that year at Ohio State on September 3rd. Uh, Marshall will get $1.25 million for its trip to Notre Dame here. Uh, we'll also get 5,000 seats at Notre Dame Stadium as the, uh, the masses travel up from Huntington, West Virginia. Here's what we know about the 2022 schedule so far. I mentioned the at Ohio State game and then Marshall is a home game. Stanford is a home game. Clemson is a home game. At Navy, that'll be a neutral site game to be determined. At USC, uh, a couple other roadies here. At North Carolina, at Syracuse, and then home against Boston College. So still a couple slates uh, there that need to be filled, but that is coming together rather quickly. Uh, This week, Brian Kelly uh, talking to Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports. Said he really wants to finish up here at Notre Dame. He wants five more years. His contract will run through 2021, uh, giving him this year, next year, and then 2021. And Brian Kelly indicated he'd like to get 22 and 23 as well. That would be five years, 14 total here. I don't know, perhaps it's that Marshall game that he wants to get on that 2022 uh, wagon there, or perhaps it is Ohio State for that home and home in 22 and 23. 14 years, Rags, is what that would be, uh, which would uh, beat out. Leahy, Holtz, and Arrow all had 11 years. Newt Rockney had 13. So Brian Kelly, if he gets his wish, will be the longest tenured coach in Notre Dame history. Certainly been a polarizing figure. I think we can all agree on that. He'll leave here, if that's the case, he'll leave here as the winningest and the losingest coach in Notre Dame history. <laughs> uh, longevity has its privileges and its disadvantage, I guess. Uh, certainly already Brian Kelly has lasted longer than any coach that didn't win a national championship, so certainly he would like to get that uh, feather in his cap. 
And finally, a couple spring personnel notes that came out this week. Uh, with Brian Kelly's blessing, senior uh, senior safety, sorry about that, Devin Stutz still announced that he will transfer. Um, he's going to graduate in May, and then he's going to take his talents elsewhere. He's basically uh, been seldom used, six foot, 200 pounds. Brian Kelly said that he's in the best physical condition of his life, and he expects big things wherever Stud still lands. For his career, uh, 60 career total tackles, one tackle for loss, one interception in three seasons. One other note, we've already talked about the arrest of Javon McKinley. Uh, the junior wide receiver for Notre Dame when he was drunk in an Uber car, ended up punching a couple cops. They were just trying to help him. Not a very good idea. Uh, he's been suspended for all of spring ball and, and beyond. Brian Kelly said that until all his legal issues are settled, he will not take part in any football activities. His initial hearing isn't even until April 15th, uh, so certainly that will keep him out of all of spring ball, it would certainly appear. He's arrested on two counts of assault of a police officer and underage drinking, a Three misdemeanors right there, and those are your blue gold nuggets. Now, um, let me ask you this, because I like to react to some of your blue gold nuggets. Is there any reason to believe that it wouldn't go beyond 2023 and he would resign for another five, ten years after that, right? I mean, in theory, if things are going well, unless he says he's done in 2023. 14 years on this job, Rags, is a long, long time. I mean, never say never, but it does take its toll. It's kind of like when, when a president comes into office, they look young and healthy and ready to go. And by the time <laughs> they leave, they look all haggled and wore out. I think you see the same sort of evolution uh, with, with Notre Dame football coaches as well. I mean, again, never say never. And if he really gets this thing rolling along, uh, certainly that's the fountain of youth for a lot of guys. But at the same time... I think 14 years would be about as long as anybody could put into this job. It is interesting, though, because you typically don't see coaches put that type of thing out there where they're given a definitive time frame because, frankly, I think it hurts recruiting ultimately. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. We'll even have to wait and see if Brian Kelly gets his wish. Yeah, and we all know still always had aspirations to be in the NFL, too. So I wonder if just because the Notre Dame career ends, where, where, where does he go beyond that? So, uh, yeah, he's 57 rags for yeah, what it's worth. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about the spring ball, um, spring football kicking off. And, and obviously, the, what do we got? The, uh, the blue gold is April 13th, so about a month away. Uh, according to your notes here, and I'll, I'll react to that, um, some – situational changes, some positional changes. We've seen it before year in, year out, whether it's Drew Tranquil. What do we got this year with some positional changes? I think the one that jumped out at everybody um, from a reporting standpoint was Avery Davis. Remember, he came in as a quarterback, yep. and then he played receiver, quarterback, and running back last year. Yeah, I made a year, prediction obviously. last year he was going to throw a touchdown pass, and it didn't come true. I thought out of the <laughs> slot they'd have some trickery play lined yeah. up for him, and it didn't happen. Well, they raved about him, you know, through fall camp and whatnot, and then he hardly even saw the field. So, again, especially spring ball, man, take all this stuff with a grain of salt. If you remember Junior Jabby, he lit up the blue gold game. We thought he was going to be a superstar. And then I don't think he saw the field again, frankly. But uh, Avery Davis, there is a shortage at cornerback uh, for Notre Dame a little bit here. So Avery Davis is now moving from offense to cornerback. They're going to try him out there. Now, I don't know if Brian Kelly's – just uh, blowing you-know-what, uh, but he said that he thinks Avery Davis is capable of playing cornerback in the NFL at the next level. And he, and he talked at length about how, you know, when they do these types of things, 
There's a method to their madness here. You know, C.J. Procise moving from wide receiver to running back, that worked out very well. Um, that's one that jumps out at you. Drew Tranquil, you mentioned Tranquil. You know, he went from safety to rover to linebacker. Obviously, that worked out well also. And Jafar Armstrong, wide receiver to running back, that seems to be a move that's also on the right track. So Brian Kelly said we're not just moving him to move him, uh, but, but they think they can get good production out of him. Um, offensive lineman Darnell Yule, he moves back to defense, defensive line. Uh, that's where he started. That's what he was recruited to. They tried him at offense last year. didn't work, so he's back on defense. Uh, linebacker Ovi Ogofu, he's going to move to defensive end. Obviously, he outgrew um, that linebacker position. This one's interesting. Safety Houston Griffith, the sophomore superstar. Great big kid, man. He's six foot two oh five. They're gonna move him to cornerback as well. He was a nickel and a safety last year. That's a big cornerback there, six foot two oh five, but they feel as if he does have the skill set to put to play cornerback. So well that's gonna be one we watch for sure. And then wide receiver Chase Claypool. He didn't move really switch positions, but he he switched positions within his group. He's going to now play the short side wide receiver. That's where Miles Boykin played last year while Claypool was on the on the wide side of the field there. They're going to move him to the short side. They feel like they'll get more one-on-one matchups and he's such a big target rags. They feel like he can use that, you know, that big frame of his in these one-on-one matchups and go up and get some balls over some defensive backs. So, those were certainly worth note of among the position switches. Um also the list of injuries these are guys that can do some limited work. Some of the guys can, but they won't do any contact. And that would be defensive tackle Hunter Spears, cornerback Sean Crawford, offensive lineman Colin Grunhard, linebacker Jack Kaiser, who recently had shoulder surgery. We talked about that. Defensive tackle Jameen Franklin and cornerback Dante Vaughn. So those guys will be limited in their spring work. Uh, but all in all, all systems go. And Brian Kelly was asked really what his biggest concern is as he starts to move through spring ball. And he really talked about he just doesn't want this team to be satisfied with what they did last year. They have to keep moving forward. What you did last year it has no carryover to this year in that just because you know how to do it doesn't mean you can do it again. You have to work at it again. And and this is work. And, and I think that that's where where teams get lost in the inability to do it again is that they think that because they know how to do it, that they automatically can do it again. It's not knowing how to do it. It's putting in the time and the effort uh, and, and the sacrifice that's really hard. So going back and doing all the hard work, pushing that rock up the hill again is what they have to do again. Um, and I get a sense that um, early on, some of them wanted to run up the hill without the rock. They understand that they got to push the rock back up the hill. Well, there's one good thing about getting your asses handed to you in the, in the playoffs <laughs> is, is that there is still a lot to work on, which is quite evident when uh, one person went down, the whole football team fell apart. So, you know, the complacency I get, but I think it was a coachable moment after losing like sure. that. Hey, we might have got complacent. Oh, by the way, in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. And I think that's been sort of the rallying cry for these guys. Um, you know, we made it, but we still have a long way to go. And I think that long way to go really starts with quarterback Ian Book in many respects. Obviously, all eyes are going to be on him this spring. A very pedestrian game uh, when it came to that Clemson 30-3 to mauling that you mentioned. Uh, what was it? He was only 17-34. to 
Very pedestrian, 160 yards, even lost a fumble in that thing. Ian Book said that the thing that he did that he was disappointed in himself last year, we talked all about that great completion percentage, 68.2%. Terrific. It's a Notre Dame record. But even Ian Book admitted that perhaps that record that I set in completion percentage was a function of not taking enough chances, not looking downfield, not throwing downfield. As a matter of fact, uh, when it came to Notre Dame last year, the Irish were only 84th in the country in pass plays of 40 yards or more. They only had seven all year. Two of those came from Brandon Wimbush, and the longest pass of the entire season was a screen pass to Michael Young uh, that went for 66 yards. So that goes to what Ian Book is talking about, where he really wants to try to make some more throws. And spring ball is the perfect opportunity to do that. He even said, you know, I want to throw more interceptions during spring because I want to force the ball downfield. And and I thought that was a good point, and, and I kind of like his outlook on that, Rags. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because normally what you'd want to see in the spring ball is uh, the backup to get, you know, uh, Phil Jerkovic sure. to get more time, more reps to see how he's progressing. But it sounds like they're going to actually turn their attention to book and make sure he gets as many reps as possible in the spring as well. Certainly there's plenty to go around here uh, with no Wimbush. There's no quarterback controversy for the first time in a long time. No quarterback <laughs> we said that, that we, We've said that before, young man. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. But but here is Brian Kelly kind of breaking down uh, both Jerkovic, as you talked about, and then Ian Book, sort of what he's looking for out of these two guys. It's it's the whole quarterback thing, you know. He, he just played ball for six or seven games, and 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 then he had to wait about a month and and then play in a in a, a playoff game. It's all that goes around the 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 scope of the position, um, you know, just handling the distractions of it, you know, the details of the position. So there's just so many nuances that he has to work on. Pocket presence. Um, you know, just uh, you know, getting us in the right play. There's just so many little details that he has to work on um, that are just going to make him better. Ian's going to get a ton of work. He's got to get better. Um, you know, there's a number of areas that, that uh, we've listed for him uh, internally that, that he needs to work on. Um, and, and then Phil obviously just, you know, he's one step away from being the starting quarterback. So um, this is his spring where... Um, he's really got to show himself in terms of understanding the playbook, being ready. You know, he wasn't the next guy in last year. He is now. So um, this spring is, is crucial to his development. And so there are two different, you know, obviously uh, goals, if you will. You know, Ian has some specific things that he has to work on in his game to be you know, a great quarterback, and and certainly Phil's got to uh, gain the confidence in the offense and the guys around him that uh, if he's called on, he can lead us to uh, a championship. All 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 joking aside, uh, Brian's pattern does stay in place, though Todd, because uh, even though Ian Book, you know, was all likelihood will be the opening day starter, yet mm-hmm. again, a new quarterback as. You- opening day starter for Brian Kelly because remember Ian didn't start as the starting quarterback last year so each year we've had somebody different in that role yeah yeah the streak carries on doesn't it yeah uh, I, I can't I hadn't thought about that but and is it yeah, that far go- out of the realm of possibility in, your, in the back of your minds that at some point next year you know he'll be calling on Phil Jerkovic to save a game I wouldn't be at all surprised the way this goes, you know, and keep in mind when we talked when we celebrated Ian Book with good reason this past season absolutely I mean, you know, 
you know, 2,600 plus yards, 19 TDs, seven interceptions, and the scoring offense went through the roof uh, compared to what Brandon Wimbush was doing. But keep in mind that Syracuse was the only pass efficiency defense on the entire schedule that ranked in the top 50 last year. So the schedule was such that it, it allowed for Ian Book to do some good things and to throw for that high completion percentage. Uh, but at the same time, he needs to look downfield a little bit more, and at least he knows that, and they're working on that. And I think that big play uh, that was sort of missing in the passing game, they, they need to find that. They need to hit on some stuff, Rags. When you're looking at your Alabamas and your Clemson, those teams are way up in the 40 points per game. Notre Dame was in the mid-30s last year. So they, I think they do need to find another 10 points per game. I really do. Well, and then you look at Miles Boykin running the 40 at the combine, and you're wondering, well, where was those breakaway speed during the game where they were going deep with him, which never really happened. Yeah, exactly. And it, it, that was an eye-popping uh, sure was. combine moment for sure. Um, and we, I do want to get to that. I do want to talk about that because certainly it was noteworthy. But we did get a chance to catch up with Ian Book, and he expanded a little bit more on some of the things that he realizes he needs to improve on. Last year was last year, and I'm just going to be the same me, but um, we were able to have an undefeated season, which was great, and obviously gained some confidence from that, but it didn't end the way that we wanted it. So... Um, this whole it's just a whole new year and we've, we flipped the page and it's a little bit easier I guess to lead you know years go on you get older and whatnot but um, still something I push myself uh, to do just uh, being vocal especially for the young guys you know that they have someone that uh, they can trust and lean on ask me whatever they need and uh, just know I'm out there having fun talking and you know really just enjoying it just taking that next step and really testing myself with the reads and totally understanding what's going on uh, with the defense and just you know pre-snap, pro-snap, all that. Just want to take the next step, uh, being able to challenge myself uh, that way. I still got to go out there every day and prove myself. I'm definitely not going to take anything like. Got to go out there like I told all of you last year. Prepare every day like I, I'm the starter. Well, that's what I still got to keep doing. And um, there's a lot of goals and a lot of areas in my game that I want to improve. So I'm working on working on that every day. And you know, the interesting thing is, too, uh, there was legitimate Heisman watch talk before the playoff games last year. So being fair to Ian, uh, and you're talking about how he did put up some nice stats, we did get caught up in the hype and the buzz of potentially sure. this year being a huge year for him. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, and, and part of my concern here, Rags, and again, it's something we have talked about at length on this show, is sort of the regression of quarterbacks under Brian Kelly when they come back as the second year as a starter. I mean, it happened to Deshaun Kaiser, happened to Everett Golson. You could even make a case it happened to Brandon Wimbush. So that's going to be something they're going to have to guard against here. And I don't know what goes into that. I don't know if that's opponents becoming more familiar with a quarterback, if that falls on the coaches, if they're not doing their job. I'm not real sure how where, where to point the finger at why these quarterbacks are going backwards many times under Brian Kelly, but certainly that's been the case. Well, that's you know, going to be, have to be another storyline we'll watch this year. Yeah, and you don't have to talk me into that because that's I've been crying that. Yeah, that's for, your thing. For, and and you forgot another one, Malik Zaire. I mean, some of these guys, sure. some of these guys regress within a year, within the actual season. You see yeah. a regression, so let alone year to year. So yes, that's always been a big bugaboo of mine about Brian Kelly, who is, by the way, supposed to be an offensive guru. Um, and you've never seen a a quarterback just start year to year to year like we just mentioned, or really go to that next level uh, and and become a superstar. So you know, one can hope there w- there were early signs with Ian Book that that might potentially happen. So, uh, but again, we've been how long we've been doing this show? 
I mean, I would say maybe four or five times a year we're bringing up the fact that, hey, why can't these quarterbacks progress? Right, exactly. That certainly has been a storyline that has followed Brian Kelly around his entire career here. All right, Todd. Uh, let's. Uh, so April thirteenth, we got the uh, the uh, blue gold game out there. Hopefully, they get great weather like they've they've gotten in the last couple of years here. Uh, let's talk hey, about hey, Rags. Let me. Well, oh, I'm you sorry, want to bring up the combine? Uh, yeah, I want to. But I before we move on to that, I did uh, leave one position switch out, and that is uh, Asmar Bilal, uh, the graduate student. He's taken the same course that Drew Tranquil did. He's going to move from rover to buck linebacker. So that rover position is going to be wide open, and that's certainly going to be one of the positions we're going to have to keep a close eye on uh, this spring. I think the sophomore Shane Simon is probably the front runner, at least in my opinion, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. So didn't mean to interrupt you there, boss. No, that's all right. I did want to bring up the fact that uh, you know some of these, you know, the big stories, there was two big stories, Metcalf, the big wide receiver, and Boykin's 40-yard dash. And the reaction from some of his ex-teammates, uh, you know, what did we learn anything else from the combine and these Notre Dame players potentially getting into the draft? Well, Boykin obviously was one of the stars of the show. You mentioned that Metcalf freak. Ooh. What the heck was that? I've never seen a 6'3", 230 pounds a running four, four, My word, that was something <laughs> else. The old, the old miss guy. Uh, he could play linebacker or wide receiver. Um, but yeah, Boykin, pretty amazing. Actually, there, Mel Kuyper even said he did so well at the combine that he may have played his way into a second-round pick. And we were talking about a guy here not too long ago that we were wondering if he'd even get drafted. Uh, but look at some of these numbers. The 4-4-2 40-yard dash, that was eighth among all wide receivers. Certainly much better than anybody expected him to run. Uh, vertical jump was insane, 43.5 inches. That's second of all combine folk right there. Second in the combine, obviously first among wide receiver. Uh, the broad jump, 140 inches. That was third of every combine participant. Uh, second among the wide receivers, the three-cone drill, which for a big guy at 6'4", 220, to run the three-cone drill uh, in 6.77 seconds, which was first among wide receivers. I thought that was incredible. And then the 20-yard shuttle, which speaks to his quickness off of the uh, off the line of scrimmage. Uh, he was third among wide receivers in 4.07 seconds. Um, now, they only had 12 reps on the bench press, which wasn't so hot. But with those long arms, man, that's kind of understandable. But certainly he stole the show for Notre Dame. I thought Julian Love actually may have hurt himself a little bit. He was Notre Dame's probably top candidate uh, when it came to the combine uh, as the guy that was going to go first in the draft. Probably still will. Uh, but he only bench pressed 14 reps. Uh, that wasn't very good. I think the troubling part here was his 4.54 40-yard dash. We, we, we talked to Scott Wright from NFL Draft Countdown last show. He said all eyes were going to be on Julian Love in that 40-yard dash, so he couldn't be thrilled with that 4.54. That was 24th among the 32 cornerbacks who ran. Uh, he did okay on the three-cone drill, but his slow 40 time, I don't know. That's gonna, we're going to have to wait and see how that plays out. But, you know, when it comes to Julian Love, the film doesn't lie, Rags. Yep. This guy broke all the, you know, had all the pass breakups and was terrific. So we'll have to wait and see how that shakes out. Still expected to go somewhere between the first and the third rounds. Uh, Alizé Mack, I don't know, kind of nondescript. Probably a day three draft pick. Nothing really jumps out at you. I guess 22 reps on the on the bench press is pretty good. 4.7 second, 40-yard time. Uh, Tillery didn't do himself any favors, didn't harm himself at all. Probably a late first, early second round pick. Uh, another guy with long arms, only had 23 reps on the bench press, but... I thought his four nine three forty time was pretty good for a guy that's six six and two ninety five, uh, and he was he was awesome off that in that ten yard split on his forty yard dash one point six nine. So again, 
you worry about defensive linemen getting off the ball more quickly instead of running a full 40-yard dash. Drew Tranquil, he was solid as can be. His 31 reps uh, on the bench press, that was first among the 28 linebackers, ran a nice 40, 4.57. That was seventh among the linebackers. Uh, his vertical jump, 37.5, was fifth among the linebackers. So if you were worried about his ACL surgeries, kind of lingering rags, I think he put those concerns to rest. Um, couple of uh, One other guy that did some workouts, Dexter Williams, the running back. Not a lot to write home about on Dexter's measurables. Uh, 17 reps on the bench press was only 18th of the 28 running backs, and he was 11th of 23 running backs who ran the 40-yard dash in 4.57. So nothing to write home about, probably a day three draft pick. Uh, and then Tavon Coney did not do any uh, of the measurable work. He did some field work, and Alex Barr is obviously still recovering uh, from MCL and ACL surgery. Uh, so he was kind of there floating around, but obviously didn't do a lot of work. But all in all, I think Drew Tranquil and obviously Miles Boykin were probably the big winners uh, among the Notre Dame participants in the combine. And the best thing about Boykin's performance is you don't it, getting out of your memory is his drops in the in the playoff game. Now, now the most recent <laughs> right? thing you remember is this forty yard dash. So uh, that that can only help him. You would think. Yeah. All these guys are coming back. March twentieth will be pro day here at Notre Dame. So that was my next I question. Yeah, I mentioned all those guys. They'll all participate in that. And then they will be joined by uh, defensive back Nick Coleman, defensive lineman Jonathan Bonner, center Sam Mustafer, punter Tyler Newsom, uh, tight end Nick Wisher, and uh, place kicker Justin Yoon. I wonder if they take the take because uh, that'll go just down in the loftiest center, so you can't really do any kicking work. I suppose they'll probably take Tyler Newsom and Justin Yoon outside, um, but that will be something to watch as well. The good old annual pro day. All right, uh, let's dip into basketball a little bit here. And as you know, uh, full disclosure, we record these on uh, on Friday afternoon. So while we speak, the women are going to get ready to play in the ACC tournament. But it, all signs are pointing to them to getting a, a number one seed. And off the air, I asked you, it's interesting how they're shooting, you know, almost a shoe in to get a number one seed here, but yet Louisville probably not. And I'm not quite sure what determines that because it, it must not be wins in uh, head-to-head competition. Well, similarly to what they do with the football playoff where they kind of tease you with these polls every week and they have the show, they started doing that in women's college basketball as well, and men's for that matter. Um, But they announced that the four seeds at this point heading into conference tournaments would be Baylor, Notre Dame, Louisville, and UConn. So Louisville will certainly uh, get theirs as well. Um, Notre Dame likely to either play in Greensboro again uh, which is where, obviously, the first two games would be here at Purcell Pavilion, but then the regional round, they would either go to Greensboro or Chicago, depending on how uh, this weekend shakes out. So that would be something to watch. Uh, but indeed, six for six now in ACC titles. They've had a, to share it a couple times, uh, but six for six, number one seed in that ACC tournament, uh, 27 and three overall, 14 2 conference. They've won six in a row, Rags, and they've won them by an average of 32.5 points per. So certainly this team is humming along at the right time to hum along. All five of the starters this week were named to some sort of all-ACC team. Uh, Brianna Turner was actually an all-ACC member all four of her years and was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year uh, for this particular season. Arike Ogunbowale, I thought that she, I kind of thought she was a shoe in for ACC Player of the Year. Did not happen. That honor went to Louisville senior guard 
Asia Durr. She was the conference player of the year there. So, yeah, we can't really talk about any game specifics here, but that gives you a little bit of the lay of the land on what lies ahead for Notre Dame. And the men, now look, uh, this has to be, (laughs) this might be one of the worst seasons I (laughs) remember. One of the worst seasons I remember. I mean, they're 3 and 14 in the conference, 13 and 17 overall. I mean, this is rough. And yes, we've mentioned it. No depth, no uh, age. They're all young. Mooney's been a shooting. No shooting. Mooney's been a bright spot. But outside of that, there really hasn't been much. And yet, they're going to be playing. On that first day, people, it's just a question of what time, considering they could be anywhere, I believe, from the 13th to the 15th seed. So you can look for them playing on Tuesday, uh, either real early. There is a 7 o'clock slot that yeah, I guess uh-huh. they could fall into. Yeah, it's a little bit tricky to say. Notre Dame will wrap up its season at Pittsburgh. Um, who's Saturday. in last. <laughs> who's in last, exactly. They're 2-15, and 15, Notre Dame 3-14, and 14, so a, a battle of the powerhouses there. The way I'm kind of looking at it, I think Notre Dame will come in as either a 14 or a 15 seed in this thing. Um, indeed, which looks like they would play. If they're the 15 seed, they'll play 2 p.m. Tuesday. If they're the 14 seed, they'd play 7 p.m. Tuesday. Um, I don't think they're going to get their way to 13. I just don't, but I could, I've been wrong before. So they're probably going to play like either a Georgia Tech or Boston College. Um, I know Georgia Tech beat them. They Notre Dame actually beat Boston College twice this year, so it'd be tricky to try to beat them three times. Rags, if if, if there's anything, they're 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 in games. Yeah, they don't know how to finish games. You know, this most recent one against Clemson here, sixty four sixty two loss uh, at home. You know, it was thirty two thirty two at halftime, and Clemson pulled out to a forty seven forty one lead, but Notre Dame actually clawed back and tied it up. Um, this was senior night. But Notre Dame has no seniors, so I guess that's a little bit of good news. And John Mooney is a superstar, Rags. 18 points, 20 boards, 5 assists against Clemson. Led the Irish in all three of those categories. Made a run at the 2020 club here. That hasn't happened at Notre Dame since Troy Murphy did it in the, during the 2000-2001 season. So the guy's been amazing. I don't know what this team would be without him. I mean, he's 12th in the conference with 15.6 a game points. Leads the conference in rebounding, uh, 12.6 per game. He's 19 double-doubles, which ranks sixth nationally and leads the ACC as well. So certainly a bright spot. No reason to think he won't be back next year. But I honestly think with his versatility rags as that big, tall, stretch sort of four-player, I think this guy has a bright future in the NBA. I really believe that. Yeah, just got to work on the outside shot for sure. Uh, which is still pretty good, though, yeah, Rags. Yeah, I mean, he's... Yep. He can bomb away from the three ball. I mean, I, 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 you know, I mean, obviously anybody can improve on that, but certainly when you're that tall and you can stretch people out and shoot the three and go around people and rebound like that, you know, I mentioned Troy Murphy. I can't help but draw comparisons to Troy Murphy. I really can't. That's a good point. And you know what? We probably underappreciated him while he was here, but you know who they really missed this year? Uh, Matty Farrell. Uh, and you, you, oh, yeah. you know, you just don't realize it till he's gone. And uh-huh. you're like, you know what? They probably would have three or four extra wins because you talk about someone who did know how to close out games. He was that point yeah. guard that could take control of the ball and make sure you win those games. Prentice Hub has done a nice job, and he's come a long way during this season. But certainly Matty Farrell had a thing about him that Hub is still learning where Farrell knew how to find his teammates in great spots making their shots that much easier. Yep, That's been a little bit of a struggle for Notre Dame this year. 
is guys will get the ball in awkward spots. Now, they have had a lot of open three looks that they just haven't knocked down this year. I'll say that. But at the same time, you just don't have that flow offensively. And you're exactly right. That's the reason why, because I know Matty Farrell. And he's going to make his foul shots, which has been another problem with this team. They cannot make foul shots, which is beyond me. It boggles the mind. That's never really been an issue for them. Um, Real quick, before we get out of here, hockey you got the quarterfinals in the Big Ten tournament starting up. Now, this they do best of three, right? Isn't that what they do in this tournament? For just this first round, just this quarterfinal final round here, um, there's three series. It's kind of an awkward number of teams. It's seven teams. So Ohio State as the one seed. They'll sit there and wait in the semifinals while these other six teams battle it out. Notre Dame, number two seeded. Uh, we'll play Michigan State. That's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Uh, that's this weekend, Sunday, obviously, if necessary. Uh, Notre Dame is three wins, zero losses, one tie versus Michigan State this year. Then Minnesota matches up with Michigan. That's three versus six. And four, Penn State versus five, Wisconsin. How this works, Rags, is Ohio State, whichever is the lowest seed to come out of these three series, that's who Ohio State will play. And then uh, the other two winners of these uh, quarterfinals will play each other there. So it's to be determined on who Ohio State will play. They'll reshuffle that bracket. But then it just goes to single elimination at that point, Rags. The best of three only happens in uh, in these three series in this regional round. All right, Compton Ice Arena. That's Friday night tonight when we record this and Saturday night as well, and if potentially Sunday if they need to do it. Todd, always a pleasure. We'll take next week off. We'll come back the following week, and uh, as we I don't get, want to take next week I, off. I, I think I, I think I, I I'm texted you. <laughs> think I'm Come like, on, no, let's not take it. It's uh, spring right, ball. All right, well, I get you. All right, we'll we'll do our. I best. mean, we're going to have the NCAA tournament coming up. Or going to well, I, no, I'm I'm not leaving this studio till you tell me we're doing a show. <laughs> well, one thing's for sure: the NCAA tournament, NCAA tournament will be mostly women. We we will be talking about. All women, of course. All right, all right, I'll do what I can. I'll do what I can. We, we, we won't make any promises, but we probably will. You're right. We have spring ball, Rags. Come on. There's going to be a lot going on. All right, We'll man. talk off the air, but uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm making my case on the air. Dude, I'm just busting your chops. We'll be here next week. We will. Outstanding. Uh, all right. Uh, that's your Blue Gold Report being brought to you by D.O. McComb and Sons Funeral Homes. Hey, be sure to check us out online as well on Twitter, at Blue Gold Report. Todd and I are there as well, at Todd Burledge, at Rags92.3. Todd, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, Rags. This has been a presentation of Optin Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.